so good. So good to be in his house. So good to worship. Why don't you take a seat? We're going to dive into the Word of God this morning. And again, a huge shout out to everyone who's not with us this morning. If you're home with the vid, our thoughts and our prayers are with you. We're carrying you in our hearts this morning. Hey, and and didn't the worship team do an amazing job this morning? Incredible, incredible. You may take a seat. I won't make you stand for the whole, whole time. Thank you so much. Oh, open that iPad upside down. Hey, wonderful. Thank you so much, Elise. Beautiful. Here we go, here we go. So if we can cast our minds back a couple of weeks, Pastor Chris started a series called Better Together and it's all about exploring what it means to do life in a church community, continuing the work of Jesus empowered by the Holy Spirit and we're going to continue to explore that this morning as we uncover what it means to do life together. But before we jump in, let's just commit this to prayer. Father God, Lord, we give you this morning and we give you our hearts, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for making a way for us to be close to God. Thank you for giving us the Holy Spirit and one another to spread this good news. Help us to be devoted to life together with you and with one another. Thank you for choosing us to be a part of your great mission here on earth. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So in, um, in the first week of our Better Together series, Pastor Chris explored the disciples' realisation of their purpose in God's plan. They had been with Jesus for about three years and still when it came time for him to be captured and persecuted, it caught them a bit by surprise. Uh, Jesus had to live and die and be resurrected, then ascend to heaven so that he could open the door to a greater gift, the power of the Holy Spirit and life in community. You know, Jesus died so that his presence could be spread to the ends of the earth and he gave us one another to accomplish that mission. You know, Jesus created the church didn't happen by accident. And the church is you and it's me. And we are to spread the gospel message through the power of the Holy Spirit. And, you know, Pastor Chris referenced Luke 24 throughout his message a couple of weeks ago. Uh, So let's just recap that a little bit and read from verse uh, 45 where Jesus appears to the disciples after the resurrection, you know, to lay out their purpose. I love this. In verse 45 it says, Then he opened their minds. Wow. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the Scriptures, everything came together for them. He told them, 
this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. You, you are the witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what my father has promised. But stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. So that's Luke 24, 45 to 49. So the disciples, as we read in scripture, are obedient to Jesus. They wait for the Holy Spirit to come and fill them with power. Peter preaches an all-time message. It's amazing. And then 3,000 people are added to the community of believers. So after a rocky time around Jesus' death, things are back on track. Things are looking good. And this is where we arrive at Acts chapter 2. And let's read from verse 42. It says, The believers, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. So they're moving in that power. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Very generous. Every day they continued to meet in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So it's a beautiful picture that has been painted here of the early church. However, as Pastor Chris explored with us, this was just the beginning. The favour of all the people, quotation marks, didn't last all that long, unfortunately, but God is good. The disciples were thrown in jail, they were stoned, some even persecuted to the point of death. They struggled with the prejudices of others, so that's really hard to say when you're in a flow, prejudices, prejudices of others. As, as well as their own, fighting others' religious views and their own in matters like clean versus unclean food, circumcision, and the list goes on. Yet, the message of the gospel spreads through this persecution and Jesus' communities form wherever the disciples go. Jesus accomplishes what he set out to do, Open the door so the truth of forgiveness of sins and closeness to God spreads through his people, empowered by the Holy Spirit. So we can see that Jesus has not left us alone in our divine purpose. He gave us himself and he gave us one another, the church, called his bride. We are better together. Better together to spread his message. Better together to understand what Jesus has done in our lives and help each other do it. It's not easy though. A relationship with Jesus means he loves us too much to let us stay the same. Who can say that for sure? So there is some growing 
and stretching to do. A relationship with Jesus means we will come up against opposition and we will be wounded from time to time. But that is the purpose of life together in community, to strengthen and encourage one another, build each other up, and sharpen and repair our weapons, as Pastor Chris illustrated. I love this verse in First uh, Thessalonians chapter 5, and reminding the church of exactly this. For God, this is reading from uh, verse 9, for God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up, just as you are doing. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of Christ, a will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Such a great passage. I had to cut a bit out of there, but go ahead and read that whole chapter. It is so encouraging. Likewise, Hebrews chapter 10 is also a great passage to read about life together. And I particularly love uh, verses 23 to 24 and verse 39. And it reads here, Let us hold unswervingly... What a challenge to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on. I love that phrase. On toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. But we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have have faith and are saved. What a statement. What a statement. And this is us holding unswervingly to the faith, hoping and believing together, spurring one another on and not giving up doing life together. How do we do that? How do we do that? I believe Acts 2 verse 42 gives us a great clue as to how to do life together. I love this verse and at the C3 Australia gathering in Hobart a couple of weeks ago, which I was very fortunate to attend to be with other pastors and leaders and feel really encouraged our our national director, Pastor Megan Halverson, preached on this verse And I believe it's a message that we all need to hear is that doing life together means we are prepared for Jesus' mission. So this this part of the message is a bit inspired by what I caught in my heart that day. In the message version, this, this verse reads, They committed themselves to the teaching of the apostles, the life together, the common meal and prayers. I love that. The life together is about these four things that strengthen us for the mission. Teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread and prayer. These are essential part of doing life together. And this is what comes to mind for me when I read this verse, if we break it down. 
So when we think about teaching, I remember Romans chapter 10, verse 17, which reads, So then faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. You know, it is important for us to be built up in truth by hearing the word of God, shared and spoken, giving the Holy Spirit the opportunity to reveal himself in the scriptures. Who knows, it's so different when someone speaks something over you or to you that is encouraging and builds you up. It's, it's, it's so essential that we're reading the Bible in our own time, but it is equally important to hear it spoken. And the Word of God also gives us this spiritual armour. In Ephesians 6, which is Ephesians is just probably my, one of my favourite books of the Bible, my favourite letter that Paul has written. Uh, in, in chapter 6, Paul likens the Word of God to armour, preparing us for our united mission so we can stand strong against the devil's schemes. You know, Pastor Chris a couple of weeks ago mentioned the uniformity of the Roman army's structure and their tools. From the outside, they look exactly the same. But underneath, underneath, you know, it is it's slightly different. They all had these unique ways of using their weapons, but their weapons were the same. And you know what? God shows us how to use these weapons, what they are, and, and the individualistic part comes when we use them in our context. God has all called us individually and he will tailor the use of our weapons. But these weapons that we have are in chapter 6, verses 14 to 17, and it reads, Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place and your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. What a powerful image this is. So the word of God serves as truth that continues to change us and it's also weaponry. It is also defensive and as well as attacking. Isn't it so powerful? And then we, we of course, move on to fellowship. In Proverbs 27, 17, some of you may have heard it. It's a very popular verse. Uh, it reads, as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. And I always still sort of feel a bit warm and fuzzy when I hear this verse. But really, ah, wow, it is a powerful verse. In the Amplified Version, it reads, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens and influences another through discussion. You've got to... Just always got to hone into the amplified version just to expand it and really bring the truth of it home. You know, part of fellowship and the life together is discussing what we have heard taught 
what we have heard preached, what we have heard discussed in other ways. And it's asking our people, our people, one another, what does it mean? How does it apply to me? And some self-reflection, you know, what does God need to change in me? The, you know, this happens at a Sunday as we gather. It happens when we meet in our homes for dinner party. It happens when we just catch up with one another during the week. It happens when we experience the highs and lows of life and we share it with one another. You know, as we have seen in, in Hebrews and in First Thessalonians, it is about encouraging one another as we spread the gospel message. It is about being humble and gentle and gracious towards one another you know, as we develop the fruits of the Spirit, as we grow in our gifts, as we live our lives. In Ephesians chapter 4, verses 2 to 3, it says, Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. I love that. I love that. I love that the Bible can be really real. Sometimes community can be hard. We are all a work in progress. First to put up my hand there. Nobody is an expert. Nobody is completely objective. We need to bear with one another sometimes. We need to put in the effort to stick together, especially in these wild and difficult times that we live in. It's about extending a little grace towards one another and showing the world that building one another up is way more powerful than tearing each other down. Amen? Yeah. Amen. And then we move on to the third aspect of that verse, the breaking of bread. And, you know, of course this means partaking in the Lord's Supper in communion, but it also means just sitting around the table together to be satisfied in our stomachs as well as our souls. In Matthew chapter 18 verse 20, Jesus says, for where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. There's power. There's power when we gather around the table. And meeting together is more than just a Sunday service. It's so important, but it's more than that. You know, we don't host things like dinner parties and women's nights because we thought the church calendar looked a little empty and bare. You know, we create these opportunities because so much happens when we gather together around food. As we see from uh, the Gospels, from Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, we can see that Jesus spent a lot of time in people's homes gathered around the table. He invited himself into, himself into the homes of people on purpose, for a reason. And God turns up when we gather together. There are opportunities to share and speak into one another's lives that we wouldn't have otherwise. Who's found that to be true? You know, when I know when I eat alone, it is never the same as eating with my family or a group of friends. To be honest, there is an initial relief. 
you know, when I sit down alone in the quiet, no one's asking anything of me. I don't have to get up to get more cheese from the fridge or someone's having a spat because they don't have their barbecue sauce or someone's got something on their clothes, you know. But I have to, pardon? Then that's just Nathan. Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> I'm outing him today. No. There is, there is that initial relief when I sit down by myself and no one's demanding anything of me and I get to maybe savour watching a favourite show. But once my stomach is satisfied, once the hangry wears off, that is me and that is something real in our house, once that all wears off, I have to admit I'm left feeling rather low. It's because eating, like so much of our lives wasn't designed as a solo act. You know, for millennia, communities, families, we prepare meals together, we eat them together, we clean up together. I love Christmas time. I love it. Where everyone is in the kitchen preparing the meal, you know, getting their dish ready to put on the table. Then you eat together as a massive group. And then afterwards when we're finished, we're all washing dishes in the kitchen together. And that's where some of the best conversations of the night happen. We solve the problems of the world. <laughs> Mealtime is so special and is so meaningful. And it's a time when the Holy Spirit does some of his most powerful work among us as we connect, as we just do life together. And finally, the fourth part of that scripture that's mentioned is prayer. This early church, they committed themselves to praying. And if you can cast your mind back a little way, I remember Pastor Chris preached a great series about how prayer is not just an individual act. Do you remember that one? It's, it's something we do together in this life as a community. The church who prays together is powerful and effective. And James reminds us of this in James chapter 5, verses 13 to 16. It gives us an insight into what is achieved when communities pray together. It reads, Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And we often quote the end of that that passage, don't we? That last verse, because it's so true. But this is the context Praying together, you know, lifting our prayers up to heaven. You know, we pray when our feet hit the floor in the morning. We pray when we go to sleep at night. We pray every opportunity in between. We pray before a church service. We pray during a church service. We pray after a church service. We pray in our dinner parties. We pray for healing. We pray for forgiveness whenever there is trouble. We pray. We offer God our praises and thanksgiving, our doubts, 
unburdening ourselves, reminding one another that God is the one who is in charge and getting that heavenly perspective. And together we trust that God has heard our prayers. You know, I love the words in Acts 2.42 where it says they devoted themselves. Devotion means steadfastly attentive to. It means loyal and loving and committed to. This life together that Jesus has given us needs our devotion, our attention, our loyalty. The devil would love nothing more than to divide us, to isolate us. You know, the Bible describes him like a prowling lion, just waiting and watching to see who he can devour. We know that this life in Jesus is worth fighting for because Jesus thought every single one of us worth fighting for. Jesus gave everything, gave his life so we could access forgiveness and love and life in God. He opened the door to the Holy Spirit and a community of believers so we could live this new life he has given us in power and in strength as we spread this good news. You know, if you're hungry for forgiveness and a no-strings-attached love, as Liz described this morning, what you need to do is declare out loud that Jesus is your Lord and your Saviour to start a new life with him. You know, you can simply do this by praying a prayer that says, sorry, please, and thank you. Sorry, God, for living life my own way. Please forgive me and thank you for saving me. And then a love and a joy and a peace that you never knew existed will enter your heart. If that is you this morning and you're here in person, please come and see me after the service. And I would love to lead you in that prayer and give you some resources to help you start following Jesus. And if you're online and you want to pray this prayer, all you need to do is click the raised hand button and a private message window will pop up and our wonderful chat host would love to chat and, and pray with you. We've come, almost come to the end of our service this morning, but I think we just need to pause for a moment and be still in the presence of God. So why don't you stand? Why don't you stand with me? Let's close our eyes and if you feel comfortable, why don't you lift your hands? You know, the Bible says that when we draw near to God, He will come close to us. God is always just waiting for our invitation. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let this be a moment of reflection. Thank you, Jesus. You know, is he drawing your attention to something that was spoken this morning? Is there a truth in the scriptures he is opening your eyes to? Does something need to change? 
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I'm just going to give us a moment to just reflect. Why don't you open your heart to him? Take a deep breath. Breathe out. Let those walls around your heart just fall down for a moment. What does God want to impart to you this morning? Thank you, Jesus. You are so good. You are so faithful. You love us so much. And you love us just too much to let us stay the same. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.